Well, here we are. As 2021 draws to a close, it's time for the final Brewers Journal podcast of the year. And thanks to Mr. Garrett Oliver, the revered brewmaster at Brooklyn Brewery, we have the perfect sign-off. If you were at our Brewers Congress event in London earlier this month, thanks for coming along and for playing your part. And keep an eye out for the announcement regarding our 2022 Congress in the coming weeks. But if you weren't there, then we have a treat for you. Garrett was kind enough to close the event with some typically powerful words. And in this episode, he'll tell us that you should never assume that you know more than the person sitting in front of you. That we should all be more inclusive and also to have the courage to put ourselves in front of people who don't look like us and maybe even haven't heard of our beer. And also, he says that if you want to have a really good time, get everybody in the room. Not just the people you know, but everybody. Because, but simply, everybody loves beer. I hope you enjoy the episode and see you all next year. Well, the other room. Last time I was in the, in the other room was 1994, the British Guild of Beer Writers IPA Conference. Yes. (laughs) All the great and good out there in the Porterton room. Um, You know, from all the great British breweries, I was somewhat timorous, only having been uh, in the business at that point for uh, about five years. But I had a keg of IPA that I brought with me I brought it on the plane as my luggage. You know, it was a, a mini keg, a five, a five gallon, five US gallon job, about 20 liters, and it looked exactly like a bomb. Uh, and, and, Brit- and British Airways said, all right, put a tag on it, and sent it around the carousel, you know. And so uh, things have changed. And when I showed up with a 6.8% 60 IBU, heavily dry hopped IPA, everyone in the room said, well, that's very cute, but no one's ever gonna drink anything like that. So 27 years later, I'm back. <laughs> you know, from, from the past, you know, and to some extent uh, from the future, because we've seen a great many changes over, you know, over these years. Some things which were just discussed have stayed the same, so I wanna you know, send you away with, a, with a, a few thoughts here that have come to me over 32 years, you know, or so of brewing and having been here for, well, yes, 400 years, actually. Uh, if you've seen the old photos, I'm like Dracula, you know, I show up every once in a while, you know, you'll see me in the Civil War photos and whatever else, you know, you know, and in 200 years when you are all dust, <laughs> I will still be in this room. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, I'm gonna, I could talk for, t- you, you know that I can talk for three hours without breathing, so don't, don't get me started. But here's a couple of, <laughs> here's, a, here's, here's a few thoughts for you of things I've learned over time. And I'm ashamed to tell you the truth at how long it took me to learn this next thing. I used to give public beer tastings, you know, to go in and it's like, Garrett Oliver is going to teach you beer 101. And I'd look at what I was planning to do and I'm like, I'm going to set, I'm going to put, you know, smoked beer, Schlenkerle, you know, up there. Uh, and I was going to put uh, like serious Lambique, like Hansen's Goose or something on there. And then I would look at the crowd who came in and there's like these four women, maybe they're about 20, and I'm like, well, what beers do you guys like? Well, we don't really like beer. We drink Coors Light when we have to, but we don't like, we, well, why are you here? We thought we'd meet some guys. <laughs> literally, literally. 
There's a lady in the back, you know, she looks about 80, she's got blue hair, you know, like that blue rinse that you see the American Florida blue rinse. And there's another guy, he looks even older, and I'm wondering, like, what is he doing here? Some of these people don't look like the people I was expecting. Well, I get to the end of this tasting where I'm like, I don't know if you guys are really going to like these beers, I'm going to try to explain them to you. And the thing that I really discovered over, over time is, first of all, when the four ladies left at the end, they're like, we liked this one, this one, this one, and this one, which were the biggest, boldest, most interesting things on the menu. The lady with the blue rinse told me how much she loves Imperial Stouts. And the, and the older guy in the back said, I, w I haven't had something like this in 30 or 40 years. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I was stationed in Belgium after World War II. This is a real story. I was stationed in Belgium after World War II, and we used to drink all the Trappist beers, you know, and I haven't had anything like this in such a long time. It's so great for you to bring this back. And what occurred to me is, who the hell do you think you are? Who the hell do you think you are that you know more than the person sitting in front of you? You know, that you have better taste and that your life experience is somehow more interesting or relevant. You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't have better taste than the general public. And you don't necessarily know more than anybody else sitting in the room with you because you don't know them. You know, so what people really actually want is for you to have the respect to show them the thing that you love. And then they have an opportunity to walk through a little door. On the other side of that door, they may find a better life. This is the thing that we do. Somebody played you a Coltrane record for the first time and you fell in love with jazz. Somebody took you to a football game. You fell in love with football. It's just nothing but a chance. But when you don't give people the chance, they can't respect you. Even people came and said, you know, I didn't really like this. And they told me why I didn't they didn't like it. And I was like, you know what, that's awesome. Because liking everything is called having no taste. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to like everything. I like these things, and I'm going to show you these things. But people enjoyed the fact that I trusted them to put this ridiculously smoky beer or this very, you know, uh, uh, complex goose in front of them. And that's what most people really want. They want your respect, you know, as well as just giving them the thing that you know they want. Because people don't know what they want. You know, if I had asked what everybody wanted for the last 30 years, I wouldn't still be here. <laughs> you, know? you know, so, you know, I think you need to brew what you want and then put it in front of people in a respectful fashion. And part of that is, you know, we all expect the same people to be in the room all the time. Well, if you do it right, you will not see the same people in the room all the time. You'll see people who don't look like you. Because it turns out that everybody really likes beer. But you go to China and they're like, oh, well, people in China, they don't really like bitter beers. And then you kind of look up, you know, what, what the Chinese, you know, uh, craft brewers are drinking and what their customers are drinking. Everybody likes the same good things. <laughs> Everywhere. I've been to African-American beer festivals, 3,000 black people, just as geeky as anybody in this room, and they're all, people were crying. They were literally crying. They're standing all over the place crying because they're happy to see each other because they were not in this room, they're not in that room, not in most of our rooms, never been invited. Nobody ever showed up in their neighborhoods, you know, to ask them, to show them, to talk to them, you know, to invite them anywhere to anything. In the United States, we'd rather sell hard seltzer, stuff that we never wanted to drink, never wanted to make, than talk to the other 50% of Americans who are our neighbors. 
never occurred to us, we'd rather do this and sell it to the same people that we already know. So we don't have to take a little step to the left and do something a little different. So a lot of people in this room have had a lot of courage. You've had a lot of courage to throw away well, whatever you thought you were going to do <laughs> that was going to make money. <laughs> you know, I always like the term, you know, you fools, you know, because it's, you know, it's gender neutral. <laughs> you know, and applies to everybody and, you know, bounces back on me too. You fools, I threw away my film degree and jumped into an abyss. And a lot of us in this room have done it. I hope that we'll all have the same kind of courage, you know, to go and put ourselves out in front of people who don't look like us and haven't heard about our beer because it turns out that they're like, they're your future fans or they could be. Now, some of you know that in the United States, we've started the Michael James Jackson Foundation for Brewing and Distilling. We are sending uh, people of color to brewing school, you know, and it turns out these guys show up, and when you go looking for them, they're like, yeah, no problem, I'm gonna pass the pre-calculus course and the, you know, physics course and whatever else, and sure enough, booked into Master Brewer, you know, for UC Davis, and I signed that check for $24,000 to, to send somebody to school because even I'm requiring two to three years of experience or one of these courses. Well, guess what? If there's nobody in the brew house of color, then where are you gonna get two to three years of experience? That's a catch 22. There are no people. Well, you could take this course, can you? People of color in the United States have 10% of the family assets as European Americans. There's almost nobody who can pay $22,000 for the course. They can pass the prerequisite for pre-calculus but they can't get into the room. They can't get in the room. So here's another thing to think about. When you go and you are gentrifying a neighborhood and you don't have to apologize you know, for starting your brewery where you can start it, but you could look harder <laughs> than we generally have in the neighborhood to see who could work there, work their way up, send people to school if that's what it takes. A lot of smart people everywhere and a lot of people everywhere who would really like to discover what it is that we do. That's actually good news. That's actually good news because, you know, people that you know right now, they're gonna get, they're gonna get to my age and we don't drink as much, some of us. <laughs> so you're gonna have to bring in new people, you know, and they are going to hopefully be diverse. They're gonna hopefully be of all genders. They're gonna hopefully be of all orientations. They're gonna hopefully be of all colors if you wanna have a great business. And more importantly, if you wanna have a really good time, <laughs> if you wanna have a really good time, get everybody in the room, you know, not some of the people, the same people that you already know. That may not have been five minutes, but it was not my customary three hours without breathing. So thank you for... <laughs> The Brewer's Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And a special thank you to Garrett Oliver of Brooklyn Brewery.